Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, it's Friday, March 25th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black cow. Boone is here with me. Strong jaw. If you're not watching live on YouTube, I should tell you, it's around 12, 15 a.m. right now. The late Thursday games, um, at least most of them, have concluded. Uh, Arizona, uh, Houston still going on, but it should wrap up any minute. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube, please uh, smash the like button like you know who. And if we get enough likes on this video on YouTube, Nada, going to give away a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus, which is your place to stream NCAA tournament games, the NFL Champions League, PGA Tour, and some of the best films and shows being made right now. Among them, Halo, which is streaming right now exclusively on Paramount Plus. So just uh, hit the like button, smash it. And then shout out Larnell or Peacocks or Leaky Black or Dodo Birds, Huck the Dog, whatever you want in the comments. Leave your Twitter handle, Instagram handle, handle with your comment. And uh, if you win, Nada will contact you and, and hook you up. All right, let's get into it. Wild Night, Strong Jaw. And the story is obviously Gonzaga is no longer in the NCAA tournament. Arkansas 74, Zags 68. That's the final score. Arkansas was physical. Arkansas never let Gonzaga get into a rhythm. J.D. Note went big, took a lot of shots to do it, but still got it done. And, you know, if you are somebody who has spent all year insisting that for whatever reason, despite what the computers suggested or the betting markets showed, the Zags would not win their first national title this season, I, I guess congratulations because uh, you got it right. Arkansas moves on to the Elite Eight for the second straight year and the first time the Razorbacks have been in consecutive Elite Eights since 1994-95, and Gonzaga is out in the Sweet 16. They will open next season. Highly ranked, I'm certain, but still in search of their first national title. Cal Boone, your thoughts? Yeah, shout out to J.D. Note. 29 field goal attempts in this game. I did some uh, some research before this. Tied for the fourth most in an NCAA tournament game for a winning player. Uh, that is since the three-point era, so 1986-1987. He finished 9 of 29 shooting in this game. Uh, no winning player who has taken that many shots in an NCAA tournament game has shot a worse field goal percentage than J.D. Note. Um, he shot 31.03%, but it got it got the job done. Arkansas got the win. He had 21 points. He was pretty big in this. Just his shot make, I think, was really important for Arkansas. Um, after the game, Mark Few talked about just how they got the shots they wanted. Uh, Gonzaga did. They just couldn't get them to drop. And 
to your point, like you mentioned earlier, they, they never really got in a rhythm on offense. And I think that really kind of was the difference in this game. Arkansas's defense was really, really good. And I think it affected Gonzaga in a big way. A uh, few after the game said that defense is real. Um, gave, gave all credit to Arkansas, obviously, you know, noting that he felt he did a good job putting his players in position and the players did a good job of taking the shots where they were, but ultimately they, it just kind of wasn't their night. Um, it's a it's a forty minute game, as as my friend GP would say. Anything can happen yeah. in a forty minute game, and that's exactly what happened tonight. Yeah, uh, to you know Mark's point about the Arkansas defense, we had talked about this on the podcast last week. Um, you know, Arkansas had a good defense all season, um, at least like you know when you when you take all of the data into account, it's still rated very highly. But if you went back and started running the data. On January 9th uh, at BartTorvik.com. And the reason I would pick January 9th is because that's the day after um, Arkansas dropped to 0-3 in the SEC. Yes, if you haven't been following college basketball closely, a team that started 0-3 in its league uh, just beat the number one overall seed to go to the Elite Eight. It's a goofy sport sometimes. If you go back to January 8th and run the data from there, heading into this game, Arkansas was third in the country and adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Bartorvik.com. And if you go back and run it right now, after the Duke game, they moved up. I mean, after the Gonzaga game, um, they moved up to number two in adjusted defensive efficiency. So, yes, um, like Mark, you said, that Arkansas defense is for real. Note, um, 29 shots to get 21 points, but he did have 21 points, six rebounds, six assists, three steals, two blocks. And I saw this tweeted um, from the CBS Sports uh, basketball account, um, he joins Dwayne Wade as the only players in NCAA tournament history with at least 20.6 rebounds, six assists, and a block against a one seed. So, um, like, that's that's a little bit like, you know, twisting up some numbers to get to an interesting sentence, you know, like the way and a block, you know, to, you know, but, but like, it's true. It doesn't make it any less true. So, um, Listen, based on where I live, like some of my best friends are Arkansas fans and Arkansas graduates. Um, you know, my father-in-law lives in the state. Um, and, and, you know, th- th- that's a program that I grew up watching because they were so strong in the early 90s under Nolan Richardson. And then it was just like nothing for a long, long time. And, and you know, I, I would constantly go on radio stations and SEC markets uh you know end up on radio in little rock of fayetteville and i consistently said that you know when you're trying to rank college basketball programs potential in the sec obviously kentucky is going to start everybody's list and then i think you can reasonably debate like the next four or five it's a weird league in that way but i just remember arkansas under nolan richardson and um that place like checked every box to be a consistent basketball power. And as I've said a million times at the power conference level, with few exceptions, if you invest and hire the right guy, you can be great. Arkansas has invested quite clearly hired the right guy. And now they're in the elite eight for the second straight year. Um, couldn't be happier for that fan base that wanted stuff like this forever. Couldn't be happier for Muss, who has, you know, it took him a long time to get to college basketball. 
He's an NBA head coach. Um, he's coached basically everywhere. But boy, since he's become a head coach in college basketball, um, not many have been better. You know, he was awesome at Nevada, and now he's awesome in Fayetteville. And he's just one win away uh, from a trip to the Final Four. Uh, as you know, uh, Duke came from behind to beat Texas Tech, so he will have to um, um, end Mike Krzyzewski's career to get there. But at this point, I wouldn't rule anything out. Um, on the Gonzaga side of things, you know, the, the jokes were predictable. Like, there's a certain segment of sports fans that could, like, I think a, there's a certain segment of sports fans that, like, can't wait for Duke to lose and certainly can't wait for Gonzaga to lose so that they can repeat all of these things they've been saying for years. And I, I guess I would just settle on where I've always been on this. Um, just because they haven't won a national title, and now we know it won't come this season, it doesn't mean they can't. It just means they haven't. Um, but there are some facts that are starting to pile up on them that if you're the anti-Gonzaga guy, you can you can trot them out whenever you want. You know, they now have five losses as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. That is tied for the most of any school without a national championship. You know, once again, they were the favorite to do it. And, and once again, they did not do it. Last season, they lost in the title game to Baylor. This season, in the Sweet 16 to Arkansas. And so if you want to set the bar at national title or bust for Gonzaga. And oddly, that is where so many people have set the bar. Like if they don't win the title, then they're total frauds out of the West Coast Conference. Seems silly to me, but like, you know, this is a good night for you. I can acknowledge that. Um, but still, take it, set it aside. And, you know, Mark Few said this after last season's NCAA tournament exit, and he said it again tonight. Um, when you get a little distance between this moment um. And in your in your life, you're like where you are six months from now, six years from now, when you when you get a little removed from it, you'll be able to appreciate it more. And this small private school in Spokane, Washington, has now been to seven straight Sweet 16s, four Elite Eights in a seven year stretch, two Final Fours in a seven year stretch and two title games in that same seven year stretch. If that's the program you're goofing on, you know, okay um it, it is one of the top shelf programs in america it'll continue to be tonight was just a rough night and when you play your championship event in a single elimination tournament uh, a rough night is against a good team is not something you can afford yeah i was really impressed with mark few and kind of just his calm and poised after the game because obviously this is a pretty disappointing loss for Gonzaga but um, you know he, he talked about just how like outside expectations you know the media whoever puts on Gonzaga and I think it's fair to think that they should have won the national championship or at least they're the favorite and it should have been considered that um, people put expectations that this is a this is a program that this year is national championship or bust he said you know we're that's not our mindset. That's not our mindset ever. Uh, we we know how hard it is to to make that climb all the way to the national championship game. We know that, you know, the the chances are that you most likely you're not going to win the national championship. But, um, so I th I thought that perspective was really interesting. And obviously, few has lived through the worst of it. I think you know just being a being a runner up before and knowing that you can come so close and almost you know taste your dream and still not quite get there um 
this is obviously a disappointing loss and and the game specifically i mean we could get into it if we want but uh i mean there's just a horrible horrible game for gonzaga chet chet holmgren fouled out only played 23 minutes um thought it was pretty timely that you wrote about bad officiating especially with <laughs> this game um but i mean andrew nimhard struggled he was two of 11 shooting julian strother was three of nine shooting i mean just of Rasir Bolton was three of 10, just so many things I felt like went wrong for Gonzaga and they were still in it down the stretch. Um, but I, I think all credit goes to Arkansas because they took the lead with about 18 minutes left and they did not relinquish it. So this is a really good Arkansas team. Don't feel like it was a fluke in any way. Um, and taking out the number one overall seed, the way they did it, I thought was really, really impressive. Arkansas played better. Arkansas was the more aggressive team. Um, the tougher team, the more physical team. Arkansas deserved to win this game. Let me say that one more time. Arkansas deserved to win this game. They were the better right. team for 40 minutes on this Thursday night. But two things can be true at the same time. Arkansas deserved to win this game. That's true. This is also true. The officials were horrendous, embarrassing. And there's no good way to talk about it without acting like you're taking away from Arkansas did. So let me say it again. I'm not trying to take away from what Arkansas did. I don't care if the officials called a perfect game. I think, given the way that game was being played, Arkansas would have won the game. But the officials did not call a perfect game or anything close to it. I felt so sorry for Gene Steratore. Like, when I walk into the broadcast center tomorrow, I, he's got his own little officiating studio room in there. Uh, up on the third floor, I'm going to walk in and just, I think I'm going to take him flowers. Just be like, yo, man, I should take him a card. Like, I know that was a rough one for you. Because they keep going to him. I mean, that's why he's there. It's his job. Because he can add insight into these situations that seem questionable. And he's very good at it. But, like, it's not great for Gene. Every time, they, you know, Jim Nance is like, so, Gene, what do you see? And he's like, yeah, I think they missed that one. <laughs> hey, Gene, what'd you think about that one? Yeah. He was working overtime I was, tonight. I don't think. And you know he doesn't want to trash. I mean, he's, no. he's friends with those guys. He's friends with those guys. He doesn't want to trash them on national television, on America's most watched network. It's a network of stars. But, like, they kept going to him. Like, Gene, what do you see here? I don't think I would have called that one. <laughs> it was just awful. The officials were embarrassing. Like, just in the second half alone, Andrew Nimhard got tripped, like leg out tripped, like when you were in fourth grade and you're on the playground and you want to trip somebody. <laughs> That's what happened to Andrew Nimhard. No call. An Arkansas player, I can't remember which one, and I don't want to misidentify anybody, but an Arkansas player in the second half drives baseline, steps out of bounds. No call. And I think on that same possession, Arkansas made a three. The last two fouls on Chet Holmgren, right. The last two fouls on Chet Holmgren, ridiculous. Hey, Gene, what'd you think? I, he looks vertical to me. He's straight up. <laughs> I don't know what the problem Gene, Gene's there. Just like, I don't know what the problem is. Again, even, credit the Arkansas. Even Chet's third foul, too. I think it was with 15.56 remaining. Uh, Jalen Williams is, like, driving into the lane. And oh, God, they do the yes, replay. That, yeah. And they, yeah, they do the replay, and it's like, well, what do you think? And then they show Jalen Williams just literally, like, tacking, tackling Chet Holmgren. And it's like, what do you think? And Gene's like, well, you know, you know. So it's like. He's, he's like the, he's like the, the lead, position well, to be I, in. I, 
He's like, I think the lead official called it, and you know, from his angle, we can't see that, <laughs> yeah. that Jalen's like got his arm out and is running straight into Chet Holmgren's chest. That looked like one where you can just see Eric Musselman in the locker room saying, "Put it straight in that skinny mf's chest. You go right into his little skinny bones." That's what it looked like to me. Like we're gonna drive it straight into his little bony chest and make him get physical with us. And like, listen. Like, I'm not saying Chet Holmgren never fouls, but, like, that was not a foul on Chet Holmgren. And the last one was not a foul on Chet Holmgren. And, again, I'm not saying that that's the difference in the game because I don't think it was. But the officials were embarrassing. And for them to be so embarrassing in what was arguably the biggest game of the night, um, a game on CBS – you know, in, in the days after, it wasn't just me writing about officiating. Like, I wrote an officiating column for Thursday morning. So did Pat Forty. Dana O'Neill wrote one earlier in the week. Like, I wrote in my column, I went on radio in Seattle with Ian Furness uh, um, Tuesday afternoon. And, like, within the first three minutes... He was like, so does college basketball have an officiating problem? And I said, Ian, the fact that you just asked me that, like, like Gonzaga's two wins away from another Final Four. Coach K's in his final NCAA tournament. We got Peacocks in the Sweet 16. Ah! 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 And you're asking me about officiating. That proves we got an officiating problem. And then they come out in the first game of the night and just embarrass themselves again. Like, I don't know how to fix it, but... It's, it needs to get fixed because it, sh- it should not be a dominant storyline in the NCAA tournament, but it so obviously is. It was it was the story, I felt like, of, of college basketball in the first day of Sweet 16. Obviously, number one overall seed Gonzaga going down is, is the story, but the story of that game was, was horrendous officiating and Chet being in foul trouble and only playing 23 minutes and completely fouling out. I mean, he, Chet Holmgren, potential number one overall pick, had – zero points in the first half um he finished with a respectable stat line by the end of this one um he had uh, 11 points and 14 rebounds his first points in this game came with 18 21 in the second half that wasn't entirely because he just was not very good uh mark few had a quick hook on him i think rightfully so i think he was scared that he was going to get in foul trouble and mark few had a pretty good feel about that The, the officiating was pretty aggressive um again that it's a credit to Arkansas they they obviously played better in this game uh but the fact that officiating was again a huge storyline was uh kind of just a bummer on on Thursday um you know uh you mentioned Chet Holmgren uh barring a s- incredible surprise that's the last game of his college career he's a projected where do you have him on your big board right now he's number two on the big board uh number one in the mock right now right so guaranteed top three guy for sure the uh the interesting one is like uh drew timmy because Mm -hmm. you know 10 years ago maybe even five years ago with somebody like drew timmy you go look man what else are you trying to do you've been one of the best players in college basketball for two straight years you've been on a one seat two straight years you went to a final four you played the title game um it's time to get on with it and I talked about this before when in years past, you would say 
about a guy, hey, it's just time to get on with it. You know, like it's time for you to go make a paycheck, whatever that looks like. You would say that about guys like Drew Timmy. Like, yeah, what else are you going to do in, the, in, in college basketball? Um, it's time to go get paid, whatever that looks like. Well, for Drew Timmy, whatever that looks like might not be the NBA. I mean, it might be. Like, would you have him getting selected if he entered the 2022 NBA draft? Maybe like a late second round pick, like almost right. like a Luca Garza last year. Like, could there be drafted. Go. It might stick, but not a guy that's like a surefire. This guy's going to be a starter or even a rotation player in the NBA. And honestly, like as a prospect, I think I'd go Luca Garza over Drew Timmy because at least Luca can like take that shot. Like yep. Drew Timmy is is not he's not a stretch anything right now. That's not who he is. Whereas Luca between his uh, was it junior and senior year? I lose track of how many did he spend four years in college? Between his junior and senior year, like he really developed that three point shot. And now he takes it in the NBA. I'm not like Drew might be that guy someday, I guess, but he's not that guy right now. So I it, like Luca got drafted in the second round. Like I would take Luca Garza as a prospect over Drew Timmy as a prospect. So yeah. if you're not going to the NBA with name, image, and likeness rights, and this is my point, can you make more money at Gonzaga just being the face of the Zags once again? Uh, maybe. Um, and so yeah, I, I think more than ever, and this is a nightmare for the top 25 and one combined with the transfer portal, because you're trying to project on the night of the national championship game, like what people's rosters are going to look like. And in years past, like anybody who was a second projected second round pick, you can kind of assume with rare exceptions, they're just going to go first round picks are going to go. And yes, second round picks are going to go. I think we got to a point a few years ago where I just sort of assumed anybody who's in the top 75 on a big board is probably going to enter the NBA draft and be done with college. Uh, Like Jared Harper was a good uh, example of that after Auburn went to the final four time to just get on with it. But now some of these second guys who are projected in the second round or, um, you know, maybe undrafted, like they could come back to school, make more money uh, than, than, they will be able to make professionally. And oh, by the way, how attractive is it going to play basketball in Europe right now? You know, there's a war going on. So it's just a lot of stuff to think about. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know that Drew Timmy's decision um, will be as clear cut as it might have been for a player like him five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. And they were asked about this post game uh, on Thursday night and Mark Few quickly shut that down. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to discuss in the moment uh, the futures of any of those players, including Drew Timmy. But um, yeah, that will be a huge storyline, obviously, the, for the top 25 and one. But, you know, Gonzaga could end up being a, a preseason top top five team next year, maybe even if Timmy does not return. Um, we'll see what that roster looks like. But if Timmy comes back, I mean, they're, they're locked in as, you know, a, a guaranteed top 10 team, I would assume. Um, so that's a, it's an interesting point. Timmy is obviously the face of Gonzaga already. Um, was listening to a podcast earlier this week talking about how he's, he's already got quite a bit of NIL deals that he's, that he's currently in, including, I think the face of, of a casino in Spokane. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, if he wanted to come back, I'm, I'm sure he could cash in and make a bunch of money, uh, again, as the face of Gonzaga. That's an interesting one, uh, to watch this off season. So Arkansas advances to the Elite Eight. Gonzaga's season is over. And in the second game out in San Francisco, we watched Duke come from behind to beat Texas Tech 78-73. So Coach K against Muss in the Elite Eight. Uh, That's going to happen 
on Saturday, and we'll we'll get into that next. But first, real quick, a word from our sponsors. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the final score in the Chase Center, second game of the night. It was Duke 78, Texas Tech 73. This one ended right before we started recording this podcast and it was really impressive stuff from Duke. You know, they were down for the second straight game down in the final five minutes with like normal NCAA tournament pressure on them, but also coach K retirement pressure on them. It's like double pressure. Oh, by the way, that was hilarious early in the week when Mike Krzyzewski said these, the, our players have incredible pressure on them. Um, because of, you know, he's implying because of my situation. He said, but it's not pressure we're putting on them. It's pressure other people are putting on them. I'm like, what? Dude, the only reason they're under that pressure is because you wanted to do this. <laughs> like, like North Carolina's players weren't under that kind of pressure last year because they had no idea that Roy Williams was going to retire when the season was over. Like you announced in the summer, this is going to be the deal. The pressure was like, I, you know, and I'm not – I like Mike Krzyzewski. I think he's wonderful for the sport. But, like, I mean, dude, you created that pressure. <laughs> no, you, no, one ever, act- no one ever accused him of being self-aware, I would say. Like, you, your retirement tour cre- – the pressure you're referencing right now, you created that. That, that, ain't, <laughs> that ain't me. I didn't do it. Nobody else who, who writes or talks for a living did it. You said I'm going to have one more season, and when we lose in the NCAA tournament, if we lose in the NCAA tournament, my career is done. If that's the pressure you're talking about, and that is the pressure he was talking about, then that was created by you. But whatever. My larger point is his players handled the pressure immensely well once again. Down 68-66, 258 left against Texas Tech. Boom, immediately going a 7-0 run in 85 seconds to go up 73-68. After that, they were never tied again, never behind again. Duke advances to the Elite Eight. They slapped the floor. That was awesome. Coach K gave, Coach K gave like a Tiger Woods fist pump. That was awesome. It was a really good, high-level, heavyweight fight. And Duke won it once again. And, you know, I know that. I mean, technically, Duke was an underdog against Texas Tech. So, you know, some people thought they were going to lose that game. And then they would be uh, underdog to Gonzaga. But now, 
Um, they get past Texas Tech, and I don't know if a number is out yet for Duke, Arkansas, but um, if you go to Ken Palm right now, it has Duke projected as a 76-72 winner. So Duke's going to be a favorite against the Razorbacks on Saturday, which means at this point, for the first time in this NCAA tournament, this is now true. Mike Krzyzewski is expected to be in New Orleans coaching in the Final Four, which is a television executive's dream. Oh, boy. And North Carolina has a chance to be in the Final Four as well. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Not a sweating over here. Yeah, that would be something. Um, this was this was really impressive by Duke. Uh, this this win gives Coach K his hundredth NCAA tournament win. Gives Duke its seventeenth Elite Eight appearance under Coach K. It's already an NCAA record. I was so impressed with what I saw from Duke. I really thought the way that Texas Tech played to open the game. I mean they they started with their hair on fire. They were the more physical team. They were more aggressive team it looked like they kind of had Duke in a chokehold early in this game. Um, the, the defense that Texas tech plays, we thought would be a potential problem for Duke. And it was a problem for most of this game. In fact, Texas tech led for more than 26 minutes of this 40 minute game. Um, but down the stretch, I mean, Mark Williams was nails. Jeremy Roach had some really strong plays down the stretch. And then Palo Bencaro, just continuing to put on a really quality NCAA tournament um, appearance as a, as a true freshman. I, I was really impressed with, with their resolve down the stretch in the second half. Uh, Mark Williams had 12 points, four boards, one block. Ben Carroll had 11 points. So did Jeremy Roach. Uh, this was, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Duke had just kind of wilted down the stretch, just the way that Texas Tech plays. They're so physical. I feel like they can kind of wear you down. Um, but they had their stars stepped up in the biggest moments down the stretch, making big shots. They had that huge run late to kind of put it away. And now Duke's in, in the in the Elite Eight with a chance to maybe go to the Final Four in, um, in Coach K's final year. This was overall, I think this was a, a promising performance for Duke and after not being necessarily totally impressed with him the first two rounds, um, I I now think that this could end up being like Duke. I, Duke has a chance. They're going to be probably the favorite to go to at least the Final Four and probably to the National Championship game, I would think, at this point. Um, we'll see. But uh, this was this was really impressive from the Blue Devils. Well, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but in the second half, you know what it looked like to me? The team with a bunch of five stars, like had a bunch of five stars start playing like five stars. Yeah. Jeremy Roach took over. Paulo was making big plays. I mean, if you just look across the board, uh, Paulo Bencaro, 22 points, four rebounds. He was 7 of 12 from the field. Uh, Mark Williams, 6 of 9 from the field, 16 points, eight rebounds. Big time dunk in the second half. Uh, you know, Roach went 7 of 11 from the field, 15 points. Like, you know, Coach K talked to Tracy Wolfson after the game. And, you know, he always says stuff like this. Like, you know, it's not coaching. I, I don't think he actually believes that. Uh, he shouldn't. Like, you know, coaching is a part of this stuff. It's not like it's not, I'm not even like trying to be goofy. Like, I don't even know if he believes it. He shouldn't believe it. It's not true. 
Um, it, coaching always has something to do with this stuff. But um, it really did get to a point where that's Paulo Bencaro just being awesome. You know, that's like a guy who might be the number one pick in the NBA draft just being awesome. And all of that awesome talent is what allowed Duke, largely allowed Duke. They shot 52% from the field against the number one defense in America. I mean, they, you know, they shot, they were really, really effective and efficient offensively against a Texas Tech team that has just suffocated uh, most of its opponents uh, for a significant amount of time. So, yeah, that was was super impressive. And um, now, like, as we stated, it, it's obvious that Duke is going to be favored in the Elite Eight. And if Duke wins that game, then it advances to the Final Four, and you're looking at some combination, or, or like it would, it would either be at this point a Final Four game against North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, or St. Peter's. And I believe out of those teams, I mean, the only one ranked ahead of them right now at Ken Palm is UCLA. And so if, you know, barring a, 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 a shift in the, in the Ken Palm numbers, and there will be some movement, obviously, but like there's, there's a chance Duke could go to the final four and then be favored in its national semifinal. Not only a mm-hmm. chance, there's a good chance. They'd be favored in their national semifinal and coach K could coach his final game on the first Monday night in April, which would be, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're a fan of a team Duke's playing, I get it. You should be rooting against Duke. And if you just hate Duke to your core for some reason that doesn't make sense to me, but it's fine. I don't care Then I get it. But like, what would be cooler or bigger than Coach K coaching on the first Monday night in April? We now know, win or lose, that's his last game. He's got a chance at a walk-off championship. Like, I love stuff like that. You hate stuff like sell- that? Oh, I love it. I'm I'm here for it. There's a I know that I recognize there's a large swath of our audience that is just actively rooting for us to stop talking about Duke. Um, but that would just be fantastic, I think, for the sport. I mean, this this whole season has been kind of building up to this. Duke has been one of the best teams all season. Coach K has been one of the biggest storylines throughout the season because we know that he's retiring. Um, to to have him coaching in the final game of the season would just be pretty awesome and the matchups that i mean we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but i mean it, it's it's possible it could be coach k versus bill self or um you know i don't want to get too far ahead but it's it's fantastic for the sport i, I that's kind of what be, I, it I could it be the it could be the storied rivalry between coach k and tj otzelberger <laughs> you never know <laughs> One more time for the championship, Mike Krzyzewski and TJ Otzelberger. Oh, God. Yes. Wouldn't that be yeah, something? I think that's what, that's what college basketball needs is TJ Otzelberger versus Coach K. Yeah. Or G- I mean, it Jim really Laranaga could be. It, versus Coach K. Well, how about this? It really could be Jim Laranaga. I mean, it, I guess at this yeah. point it could be anything, right? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it's Jim Laranaga against Coach K. <laughs> I'd be a little surprised. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think it's going to be at this point, I think it's going to be – hell, it's almost certainly going to be Kelvin Sampson. They never lose <laughs> those guys. 
Yeah. We'll get wow. to them in a second. But like, you know, I mean, there there's a scenario where it could end up being uh Kelvin, could end up mm-hmm. being Jay Wright, could end up being Bill Self. I mean, it, it could. So you got, I think, Kelvin Sampson, future Hall of Famer, Jay Wright, Hall of Famer, Bill Self, Hall of Famer. So there's, on the other side of the bracket, there's three, two already Hall of Famers and one, I think, going to be a Hall of Famer that has an opportunity to, to, if K gets to the championship game, coach against it. Either way, like the story, it won't really matter. It won't really matter who's on the other side of it. it the story will be Duke's in the title game, Coach K's final season. Um, you know, I, I've always thought there was a chance of it. You could go back and find uh, interviews I did before the season even started saying, like, there is a chance that Mike Chichetta, he, his team's talented enough. The roster's good enough to have Coach K coaching uh, his final game on Monday night in New Orleans at the Final Four, trying to get a sixth walk-off national title. So I've always thought it was possible, but obviously just based on the numbers now, it's never technically been more likely uh, than it is right now. I mean, again, we just laid out there. There is a there's a scenario where Mike Shashevsky is not only favored to win his Elite Eight game, but you win that one. Also favored to win his first game at the Final Four. So that's Duke, Arkansas. It's set for Sunday. I mean, set for Saturday. And what we're also going to get is Houston against Villanova. And that's because Kelvin Sampson's Cougars and Jay Wright's uh, Wildcats both won. Um, and they were both tested, I guess. But Houston led basically that entire game. And Villanova ends up winning by eight. Let's start with Houston, Arizona. I don't know what else to say about Houston that I haven't said 20 times before. I kept waiting for it to matter that they lost two of their top four players in December. I just assumed it would bother them at some point. And they just went out and whipped a number one seed, a Pac-12 regular season champion and a Pac-12 tournament champion. That means this American Athletic Conference program led by Kelvin Sampson that went to the final four last season and lost all types of pieces and then lost two of their top four in December, got to the Sweet 16 and then beat a Big Ten champion, uh, no, got to the Sweet 16 by beating a Big Ten champion and then just advanced to the Elite Eight for the second straight year by beating a Pac-12 champion. Like, we vote on National Coach of the Year like on Monday after the Final Four is set at CBS Sports. And I think I'm ready to just go ahead and commit to it. If Houston wins one more game, and ends up in the Final Four, uh, I, I will lobby for Kelvin Sampson to be the CBS Sports National Coach of the Year. And you won't have to lobby me. I I think I might be already there. I mean, what he, what he has done with Houston this year is so, so impressive. Uh, I mean, you you just hit on it. Losing Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark um, at, the, at the midway point was, you know, it, I thought was going to be devastating. And they kept moving on and kept moving on. You still kind of felt like at some point the losses would just kind of add up and Houston would start to stumble a little bit. Um, and they weren't perfect during the regular season, obviously, but they were pretty darn good. And the computer numbers absolutely loved them. And 
now they're, I think, number two at Ken Palm um, at last check. Um, they went wire to wire against Arizona, which won the Pac-12 and was a number one seed. They led for 39 minutes and 14 seconds of this game. And I think most impressive was Benedict Matherin, a guy we have as a top 10 pick in our big board, uh, had 15 points in this game. He was four of 14 and he really, I mean, 15 points seems like it's okay, but he was really, really limited by, by Houston and what they were able to do on defense. Um, I thought Arizona after getting a scare against TCU would be a little bit more prepared for this game, uh, especially the, with the way that TCU was able to crash the offensive glass. That's kind of Houston's calling card. And Houston had 12 offensive rebounds in this game. Arizona had 16. So Houston didn't really kill them in the way that they kill most teams, uh, but they still killed Arizona. And I thought that was really impressive what they were able to do uh, to a team that I thought, you know, I, I had them coming out of the South region and advancing to the NCAA championship. So um, credit to the Cougars. They keep rolling on despite all the losses earlier in the year. Uh, this looks like obviously one of the best eight teams remaining in college basketball. And um, yeah, I'm here for the Kelvin Sampson for coach of the year campaign. You know, they, they held Arizona to 33.3% shooting from the field, 31.8% shooting from three. Just, I mean, that Arizona team has been awesome all season and should know Kirk Risa, again, rough game. I want to say it was like one of 10 in Arizona's first game in the tournament and, or say, he was one of 10 in one of these games and one of seven uh, against Houston. Um, but like this Arizona team's been awesome all year. I mean, most people, I think the most common national title game prediction among brackets was Gonzaga, Arizona, and they both lose tonight. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, you and I were sort of on the same page about Houston. I didn't think they would start stacking losses. Because I thought Calvin Sampson, even with just like whatever, was going to be able to get past most AAC programs, no problem. But when when they first lost to Memphis, and then lost to Memphis again, but when the first loss to Memphis, you looked up and you could go, all right, they lost some dudes in December, and they really didn't play anybody for a long period of time. And then they just played Memphis, and Memphis whipped them at their place pretty good. And they lost to Memphis again. And that's when I went, you know what? I don't know how good they are. I know how great Kelvin is, but I don't care if you're Kelvin Sampson, Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski, Jay Wright. It doesn't matter. Well, if you lose two of your top four, including your leading score, like Marcus Sasser was on track to be a first-team All-American when he went down. I mean, he was killing. And, and when you lose him and another top four guy, eventually that's going to catch up with you. And then it was like, and then Memphis got him, and then Memphis got him again. I was like, okay, here we go. And I remember Norlander and I were doing an episode, and he said, right now, yes or no, Houston's in the Sweet 16. I said, no. I'm clearly, I was wrong. I'm not proud of that. I'm embarrassed by the fact. So Houston fans, just let the record shot never doubt you again. Like, um, like I'm just going to pick Houston at this point to go to the Final Four because I'm just not going to be wrong about them again. I mean, I might be wrong, but then they'll they'll it'll be wrong because they lost. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch them win again and be wrong about them again. And I really don't I, I don't know how many programs could do this. 
you know, and I don't mean make a run in the NCAA tournament. Like we talked about this before. Lots of teams make runs in the NCAA tournament. That's not what Houston's doing. They're not just making a run in the NCAA tournament. Like Iowa State's making a run in the NCAA tournament. Or Miami's making a run. In this. this team lost two of its top four, won the league, won the league tournament, and now they're just doing the same thing they've been doing most of the season. They knocked out a Big Ten champ, knocked out a Pac-12 champ, and up next, they're going to get an opportunity to knock out um, – well, it wasn't a Big East champ. My apologies. But the best program in the Big East, the best program in the Big East, and that's Villanova. Villanova went 63-55, beat Michigan. Could we agree? I don't know. I guess Houston-Arizona was kind of boring, but you keep a close eye on it because it's a one seed. You're wondering if Arizona will ever flip a switch. Uh, Villanova you know, beat a double-digit seed, and it was just like Michigan, You know, they missed a lot of easy shots. Uh, Colin Gillespie you know, hit a big shot late. Um, you know, the Wolverines shot 34.4% from the field, 33.3% from three, 50% from the free throw line. Like, you're not going to beat a program like Villanova's program doing that. Jermaine Samuels, game high, 22.7 rebounds. But this is the game where it was just like, all right, of course Villanova beat a double-digit seed to go to the Elite Eight. Well, you know, what else? Yeah, that was exactly right. Uh, I did tune into this game um just before halftime because i know colin gillespie got a little bit dinged up um so i thought there was a chance that possibly michigan could make a little run and and make it interesting gillespie was was not necessarily productive in the second half but he did play um and villanova really had no problems at all in this game jermaine samuels was was huge he had team i 22 points uh, with Hunter uh, guarding Hunter Dickinson throughout this game, by the way, uh, Dickinson, who's seven foot, seven foot one, and Samuels, who's all of like six foot seven. Uh, Dickinson had 15 points and 15 rebounds, but Samuels was was nails. And after the game, that was kind of uh, what what uh, Jay Wright was harping on was just how important Samuel was, and how um, I think how important just like the experience of this team is. Both Samuels and Gillespie were on that that 2018 title title team. Uh, with Villanova and I felt like that experience really paid off tonight there they um, they had some stretches where you know they they were going cold a little bit but down the stretch I just felt like it was Justin Moore it was Gillespie it was Jermaine Samuels like this team is is so experienced they're so productive Um, they look like the favorite probably to come out of the south this is probably disrespect on uh Kelvin Sampson's name, maybe, but um, they've. they've oh, I don't think. Really I, don't think I, I, I don't think they are the favorite. I mean, I, uh, you know, as as yeah. as you know, um, point spreads largely line up pretty closely with Kenpom. Yeah, and, what do they have it? And Houston, as you mentioned, is mm-hmm. remains number two at Kenpom. Kenpom mm-hmm. right now has Houston as a sixty-five, sixty-three winner. I think Houston's hmm. going to be a. I, I, like I'm confident Houston's going to be a slight favorite in this game. Kelvin Sampson wow. is going to be favored to make his second straight Final Four at Houston. And listen, that should lock up next with Memorial Hall of Fame stuff. That'll be three hall. That'll be three Final Fours for him, two different schools, and to do it. <laughs> you think I could set a record for saying after losing two of his top four in December? <laughs> Uh, like it's it's incredible. Yeah, uh, Houston's going to be a yeah Houston's going to be a slight favorite over Villanova. Um, you know, a, again, so slight that it's a coin basically a coin flip situation. But technically, Houston is going to be on Saturday. We're going to have two games, and Houston is going to be a slight favorite 
over Villanova, and Duke is going to be a slight favorite over Arkansas. That's where we're at. And I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with Houston being a favorite. I did I did just get done singing Kelvin Sampson's praises, but Villanova has looked really good in this NCAA tournament. Um, they're probably in a spot where they really like where they're at. They're the number two seed, and they're the highest remaining seed in the South. Um, they've won every game but one by double digits, and tonight was an eight-point win over Michigan, a really good and hot Michigan team. Um, yeah, this that that game is going to be maybe the the game to watch in the Elite Eight uh, on Saturday. But yeah, that, I mean Villanova is they're they're really I feel like kind of firing on all cylinders at just the right time. All right, before we get out of here, let's pick Saturday's games based on the numbers that Ken Palm has established right now. So we'll start with Houston Villanova. We're going to make Houston a two point favorite over Jay Wright's program. And I'm, I'm yeah. seeing in the comments now, um, people are saying Houston has opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Villanova. So let's use there go. that. There go. I'm taking Houston. I'm not going to watch them win again and be wrong about them. If, if I'm wrong about Houston this time, it will be because Houston lost. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be stubborn, and I'm going to pick against Houston. Um I'm going to be kicking myself in like 48 hours, but I'm just going to side with Villanova. I feel like Colin Gillespie's in for a big game. He hasn't had like a monster game yet, but this, this experience on this Villanova team, I will, I will trust. Um, it's going to be one of the best, uh, best games of the weekend for sure. And then uh, this, the, the other game on Saturday, um, it's going to be Duke and Arkansas. Uh, again, Kim Palm has it right now. Duke minus four. If any of you guys watching live on YouTube, hey YouTube, hey YouTube, hey YouTube. If you can, if you've seen a number, it's hard to talk and also scroll and look for point spreads uh, as you're doing all this live. So if any of you guys have seen uh, a, a Duke Arkansas number, uh, post it in the comments, and uh, so I can reference it. But for now, we'll just use uh, the Kim Palm number, which is Duke minus four. What are you doing there? I think I'll take, oh, shoot. I think I'll take the points with Arkansas at three and a half or four. Looks like the line is going to be. Um, I think I, I think Duke can win this, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is like a 72-70 game, something like that. This, this will be a really close game. And I think yeah. Arkansas matches up pretty well with Duke. Um, people are posting, uh, William, and one cool penguin. <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> I, I'd love to know the mindset when you sit down to establish your YouTube username and you say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be one cool penguin. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yes. Uh, I wonder how you come up with that. <laughs> one cool penguin says it's a uh, minus Duke minus three and a half. I think Duke wins the game. How about that? I'll take Duke to win the game. And, uh, but I'll take Arkansas plus the points. Yeah. Like I just take, but in this game, I would just take points. You're going to give me points. I'll just take points with whatever team. You're going to give me Arkansas with the points. I'll take the points. But it should be uh, a, an incredible Saturday after what was a, a really fun and and uh, somewhat surprising uh, Thursday night. And, you know, obviously Arkansas has been tremendous for a while, but you know, don't forget Gonzaga was like nearly a double-digit favorite. And anytime a nearly double-digit favorite loses, that's surprising. I, I don't know if you saw Mark Few's postgame with Tracy, but, you know, he was like, we're in a little bit of shock right now. Like, we're not used mm -hmm. to losing, you know, in this round, not here lately. And so, 
um, you know, take it for what it's worth. But it does seem obvious at this point that Gonzaga will finish number one at Kimpom for the second straight year. <laughs> I know that drives people crazy. I know it drives people crazy. Um, because like I've I've seen tonight, like everybody's like, ah, Gonzaga tricks Kimpom every year. I don't even know how you would go about doing <laughs> such a thing. <laughs> but a Gonzaga it's an inside job. A Gonzaga Sweet 16 is always gonna bring out that. And so here we are. Um but the Zags will finish number one at Kimpom for the second straight year. Um, it appears, regardless of who wins this national championship. So maybe they can hang a banner for that. You ready to get out of here? I'll tell you what. Get out of here. I got out of studio earlier tonight than normal because I'm, yeah, not on the, well, I'm not on the late show. And then we had USA Mexico on CBS Sports Network, which, by the way, is a massive deal for CBS Sports Network. So we had, like, hours of soccer programming. So I got out of the studio early. And um, it's nice. You know, I got to go have a real meal. But the downside of it is I know how Norlander feels or you feel like waiting around on me to get out of studio. <laughs> like when you're in studio and you're around people and you're on TV and like you're just sort of wired, whether it's one in the morning or two in the morning, like you've been going nonstop. So you, boy, I got sleepy sitting around here tonight. Like being yep. by yourself, you get a lot sleepier by yourself than uh, you do when you're around <laughs> other people. But we made it through it. It's uh, 1.09 Eastern right now. So we'll get to bed. And then tomorrow night, I believe it's going to be Norlander and David Cobb. And, that, and, and the reason is because I am in studio till 1 a.m. tomorrow night. And the games wrap up about an hour earlier than that. And so what we struggle with is, um, you know, you want to wait on me till one thirty, which is what you're waiting on, or do you want to go at twelve fifteen after the games are over? You theoretically have a larger audience because more people are awake. The games just ended. It also allows Nada to get to bed a little earlier because, like, if you if if I'm up till two thirty, then Nada's got to be up till two thirty too. So tomorrow night, I don't think I'll be here. In fact, I know I won't be here. Uh, Norlander and David Cobb will be here, but then I'll be back on Saturday night and uh, back on Sunday night. So uh, that's the schedule, far as I know it. Know it. Nada, open your mic up. Do we have a Paramount Plus card that you gave away? We gave it away to the aforementioned one cool penguin. He oh, helped. Yeah. He helped drive up the likes. I had to give it to him. So one cool <laughs> penguin is a hundred dollars richer in Paramount Plus gift card. So mad Beautiful. at myself. Like, all my usernames are like Gary Parrish or Gary Parrish CBS. I could have been one cool penguin if I'd have just thought of it, if I'd have just had been a little creative. What a wasted opportunity. What a wasted opportunity. Shouts to David Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Robbie McKenzie, 6'5 legend. Averaged 0.9 points in 20 games for Baylor in the 2003-2004 season. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys once again. For listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. Nice review. That means type words over at Apple. There's more of us than there are of them. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you search it on YouTube for whatever reason, like right now you're listening on Apple, you're listening on Spotify, you got to go to YouTube. Just search engine YouTube. And just type in Ion College Basketball. It should pop right up. 
Make sure to smash the like button before you get out of here if you are watching on YouTube. Brandon Davies will do it. And we're going to talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.